0: Welcome to church. It is so good to have you here today. Today I'm actually at my parents' church, Live the Life Church on the southeast side of San Antonio. The church that launched us out eight years ago celebrating 25 years of ministry for Live the Life Church. Absolutely incredible. So we get to be there uh, to celebrate them. We're going to be honoring them as a church family. So uh, if you would, jump in. Go ahead and jump on social media. Find my parents. You can find them at Steve Cadell on social media and Melissa Cadell. We'll throw that up on the screen for you. But if you would, do me a favor on behalf of Pearl Street Church. Go ahead and jump on social media. Tag them in some type of post just saying thank you for your 25 years of faithfulness and what that has meant to you. Pearl Street Church, maybe what it's meant to you, what it's done for you and your family, how it's impacted you, obviously Jesus through this house impacting you, and just celebrate them and thank them for 25 years of faithfulness. Cool. Go ahead and do that with me. Now, we've been in this series called Winning Where It Matters. Now, I love this series because it really solidifies and nails down decision-making in our lives tied towards a value system that we have. We talked about that through this series. Week number one was all about that. But it really like hones in on why are we doing what we are doing. Week number one, we talked about why is, where is our values, what 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 does that look like? Why do we value it? Why are we spending our time and our money there? What does that look like? Uh, and really looking at a value system inside our lives. Week number two, the identity crisis. Why are we in an identity crisis? We know who whose who's we are. We know. What we are, you know, we know where we come from, we know what it's all about, and we know what we're called to do. So, we shouldn't struggle in this place of identity on what we who are we, what are we, why are we, where do we come from? We should be on mission every single day to accomplish God given destiny and purpose. Third week, number three, we talked about the family dynamics. God's design for family, what that means, being present is so powerful when it comes to the family dynamics. And last week, we were talking about. Uh, living from this space in this place where we are winning with our faith, making sure our faith is at the forefront of our decision-making so that we can win where it matters. When it all comes down to it, we show up and we're in front of Jesus. What, is it? What's, what does Revelation say? We're going to show up we're going to stand before God. We're going to stand before God. There's no men there. There's no people there. We're not here to honor man. We're not here to uh, find approval from man. What we are here to do is to win when it comes to Our faith win when it comes to standing before God and hearing those words, good and faithful servant. Well, week number five, what we're going to talk about is winning with your money, winning with your money. So if you want to take notes, write this across the top of your paper, money problems. You got some money problems? You ever have money problems? Well, we're going to fix those money problems today by just a few shifts a few tweaks, maybe taking some really, really high peaks inside of your financial situation. Have you, how many of you guys have been in that moment in time where you have made a bad financial decision? You've been there before? Anybody? Raise them up, raise them up. Now all the wives, look at your husband, let them know, let them know right now. Yeah, he has, he has, yes, yeah, that's, that's for sure. Any friends out there, know some friends that made some bad financial choices? I think we've all been there. A couple years ago, I thought it'd be a good idea to try to flip a car. I think I I thought it would be a great idea. I purchased this car online at a a car auction given to me by the one and only Pastor Greg, who is awesome. Led me right into it. The lamb led to the slaughter. (laughs) He he actually warned me before. He's like, please, just don't do anything stupid. So I got into this thing. I bought this car. It looked amazing. You know when this car showed up in my house? The bumper was off of it. It was wrecked. I mean, it wasn't on the records or anything like that. It, It presented this car that looked perfect. And then what I got was a wrecked car. You know what happened? I made a bad financial decision. I thought I was going to be able to flip it. It was going to be super easy. I could be like Pastor Greg. I could be like my my brother. Man, they do this so easy. I spent all this money. You know what had happened to me? I ended up paying double to get the thing repaired and sold than what I actually ended up paying for it. Isn't that interesting? We can make bad financial decisions thinking it's going to go one way. In reality, it actually goes the exact opposite Money problems, having issues with money. We ever been? You ever been there before? Making bad financial decisions. Ah, oh, so so challenging inside of life. I hate losing money. I hope you do too. Now, there's an age-old song that's "More Money, More Problem" by the Notorious B.I.G. The idea around it is what? When you get more money, you're gonna have more problems. As if there's something wrong with. Money, right? I, I don't think there's anything wrong with money. I don't think that's actually what God would would, would tell us. I think God uh, God would lean us into a place on money has this incredible uh, opportunity that if we use it properly, it can enrich people, it can enrich enrich our lives, it can rich enrich the church. It has so much power to do good, but we got to be careful. And we're going to dive into that conversation here today on what exactly that looks like for. Us. Number one, if you want to write it down, money has value, but shouldn't have power. Money has value, but it shouldn't have power. Think about the old days, like uh, an individual would work and they would labor to do something specific within a trade or a gift that they had, and then somebody else would be working hard and developing their skill and their talent, and they would they would create something, and two individuals would come together. And they would say, you have something which I find valuable that can enrich my life. And then the other person would look at them and say, you have something that is valuable and can enrich my life. So how about we trade both of our talents and what they've created for each other. And I'm going to take what you've created and I'm going to enrich me. And the other going to take what the others uh, uh, created and enrich them. And this is better known as the barter system. The barter system. Like, like this value system where individuals would create that would create value and value would be exchanged. Problem is, is, when we started stepping into a place of money having value, this thing in which we gain and enrich that now we can purchase and, and and gain all these things to enrich our lives with losing the value on other people's talent, on the value of other people's uh, ability. We're no longer looking through a value transition, we're looking through a money transaction. And that's a tough place to be because we lose the value of the money and now the money all of a sudden gets power. If we got more money, then we have power to do with this because our value on the money is so much more that now we can gain, we can attain, and we really don't care who's in the mix, who we lie, cheat, and steal to, uh, steal to to get it. We don't care how much we're elevated above others, but it all started in this place where it's, man, we got talent, we can create, and let's value shift that. Let's trade value. Money has value, but it shouldn't have power. Let's dive into God's word. First Timothy would tell us this. First Timothy would tell us this, and this is where it starts getting into the problem when it comes around money. When money goes from value into a place that it it carries power. First Timothy would say this in, in chapter six, verse number nine, it says, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with what? Many sorrows. Now, what does it say inside here? Money is the root of all evil? No. What it does say is, the love of money is the root of all evil. That people, the start of love of money is coming from this place on individuals that desire to be rich. The desire to have wealth gained where I can have and, 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 and do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. I, my, my money can have enough value that I have power. That, that's, it's falling victim into this place of the love of money now could take us into a place where we can pierce ourselves with a lot of harm. That's where the problem is. The problem isn't in having money. The problem's in our perspective on money. It's when we love it and we, we give ourselves over to it that now it has power inside of our lives and that power could lead us into destruction. Now let's dive into where exactly this power would come from. The love of money, the spirit of money, all where, where does it come from? Let's look in Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, I'm going to read out of the New King James Version because it's giving specific language that we'll jump into. Uh, Luke chapter 16 says, And I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon. Talking about this mammon. What is mammon? We'll jump in. That when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting Home. We'll talk about that later. Verse number 10 says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you, uh, your trust, the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own. Verse number 13, let's be very clear. What is spoken here? What is Jesus saying? No servant can serve two masters. No servant, no man, no human, no individual can serve two masters. He would go on to say this, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other, closing out this entire scripture, speaking on wealth, riches, money. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and man. Nobody ever in the history of man can serve two masters is what he's saying. He brings it all down to these two masters. Two masters. You cannot serve God creator of the universe and you cannot serve mammon now what is mammon mammon the word mammon means riches the word mammon means riches it means this uh uh, it means uh, riches and it's not money that it's against the actual terminology mammon uh the problem isn't that money is the problem and and mammon is not money is the problem but it's this that's the spirit of money Or riches that dominates our thinking, values, and actions. That becomes the problem around riches, the word that is termed mammon. This idea, mammon. Where does mammon come from? Mammon comes from the Babylonian times. If you remember back in the day uh, in, in the Old Testament where it talks about the Tower of Babel. This moment in time, these group of people that were were intellectual, they were smart, they were elevating themselves to the point where they believed that they were advancing so much and their ability was so advanced that they could elevate themselves to God. It was a, it was a mentality of thinking. What well, we find the scripture says that God came down and confused them and tore down what they, they were putting together. But this God, they had a God of mammon, the God of riches that was, that was uh, operational at that moment in time. Something in which they focused on uh, and they celebrated the God of mammon. Now, Babylon is this place in which uh, Babel is, if you just listen to the word, it's babbling, the babbling. Babel means, um, means um, um, confusion. So if you get into Babylon, the terminology is it's a place sown into, sown in confusion is where the word comes from. So in this place, sown in confusion, where there the spirit of confusion is there, all of these people are living from a principle on, we have a God of riches, and the God of riches in which we serve is going to elevate us to the point where we no longer need God, the God of all creation. Now, is that something that would be interesting to think about in the context in which we live in here today? This spirit that is on top of money that is tied towards mammon. Money is just a monetary value, but every single um, every single currency has a spirit of mammon that is on it. Every person that, uh, that has ever existed that has dealt with a currency has to face the reality of a spirit of mammon being on money. Because what? The spirit of mammon is trying to draw humanity into a place where we are completely dependent and reliant, and, and worried, and focused on? Money. Money. So money's not the problem. It would be our perspective that would be the problem on the money. So for us, what do we have to do? We have to make a choice to say, we will not be led by fear when it comes to money inside of our life. What is it? We don't want to have money problems. We don't want to have more money that causes causes more problems, we want to be able to manage money and we want to be able to handle money and we want to be able to, to think about it properly. We want to be able to, to, to see it as valuable but not powerful inside of our lives. We want to be able to see it as something that we use for God's glory and, and for, our, um, uh, for our lives to be sustained, but we don't want to y- allow it to become a power that is, is operating inside of our lives that now it is dictating our decisions to elevate and use people in the process. So if we want to talk about this, and, and as I'm talking here today, what would be a few things of mammon indicators, if you want to call it that? What are some mammon indicators that would be operational inside of our lives today? How do we know that we may be, we may be dealing with the spirit of mammon inside of our lives? How, 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 do we, how would we understand that about our living here today? I'd say this. Here's a couple different mammon indicators, and there's one-line statements I want to give that that would be an indication today that maybe the spirit of mammon is something that has captivated you now, that is leading you into a place where you worry, you fear, you stress when it comes to money. Number one, a mammon indicator would be this. You are always thinking about money and how to get more. It is something that's always on your mind, something you're always thinking about, and it's something that you're always like, how can I get more, how can I get more? Number two, I would say this, the second thing would be a mammon indicator. Is you focus on what you what you uh, what you have and what you don't have. You focus on what you have, and you're focusing on what you don't have. You're looking at it. This is all that I have, and man, mm, I don't have this. I need this. I need this. I need this. Your mind is occupied on what you have and what you don't have. Number three would be you want your wealth to make a statement to others. Look how much I have. Look at what I've been able to purchase, right? You're, you're wanting your, your money to make a statement. Number four, I'd say this. It's difficult for you to give. And when you do, you're not happy about it. Whenever you give or whenever you're generous or whenever like, you're, like, oh, you're just not happy about it. You're like, ah, oh, what are you doing? You're thinking about losing rather than blessing, which I think is the next one. When you give, your thoughts are on what you have lost not on what you have blessed. That's another indicator. You give, you're thinking about, man, I lost this, rather than, man, man, I was able to bless. Another thing would be, right now, you are irritated that I'm even having the conversation. I'm even talking about money right now. You're sitting in your chair like, man, I always knew church was talking about money. That's all they wanted, my money. That's what it's all about. You're sitting here right now, irritated that I'm even talking about money. More than likely, there's a spirit of mammon, that you've grabbed hold of, or a lens in which you're looking through that is is controlling an element of your life. Number seven, I would say, is this, and the last one I'll give you. You find peace when you feel you have money and lo- uh, and loss whenever you feel like you don't. You, you, you feel peace when you have it, and you feel lost whenever you feel like you don't. Here's a, a couple different things that the spirit of mammon, when it gets on you, all of a sudden you start closing your, your hands rather than opening them. You start, you start uh, hoarding. You start holding on rather than letting go. You start uh, up, looking through a lens on, man, what, what are you getting rather than what others are being blessed with? You have this mentality starts looking inward rather than outward. Man, we serve a God that is given freely to us. And the spirit that God would have for us is he would want to give us a spirit of generosity, not walk in a spirit of greed. That's the spirit that God wants us to walk in the spirit of generosity, that we would be generous here on this earth, not live a life of greed. The second thing I'll tell you is this. Tell your money where to go. Tell your money where to go is what I would say the next thing. I got a great statement here later I'm going to give you, but tell your money where to go. Luke chapter 14 Verse 28 says, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Ah, The first thing right off the bat here, what is being spoken? Jesus is saying, "Count the cost. You got to tell your money where it's going. The first way you tell your, or the only way you can tell your money where it's going is to know what money you actually have, because you don't got money, you can't tell the money where to go anywhere. The first thing he's saying is that count the cost. Don't start the project before you ever know if you have the resources in order to complete the project. Now I'd say this here today, uh, Jesus indicating inside of here." For us, we want to be aware of what we have so that we'll know exactly what we can do. How many of us live today without ever knowing what exactly we have and our decisions we are making on a daily basis are based on how we feel, not necessarily on what we can do based on what we have? What am I talking about? I'm talking about a budget. How many of us have a budget? Something we sat down and said, hey, we've come together and we're saying we know exactly how much money is coming in per month. And with that, we're going to set exactly how much we can spend. We're not going to hope, dream, and pray at the end of the month that we got enough money in the bank account. Although sometimes you have to do that. We're going to live our lives from wisdom to say we're going to count the cost. We're going to know how much our life costs. We're going to know how much is coming in so that what? We can put boundaries on our finances. We can really put boundaries on our decisions. That's really what it comes down to. Once you know how much you have, you will know what you can say yes to and what you can say no to. If we're not willing to say no to some things, we'll never be able to say yes to what we truly do want to say yes to. Our values drive what we want to say yes to. So let me just go very quickly to you through a budget. Um, a budget that that could be created very simply for you that's just in rough. But I want to give you some understanding on the power of a budget. And today, maybe you're not operating with one that's causing a whole lot of pain. This is maybe where your money problems are coming from. The median income inside of San Antonio is $53,000. What does that mean? $4,400 you will have per month available to you. Now, some of you guys making more, some of you guys are making less. But what you'll see inside of this is I navigate through this. What you're going to find is if we aren't clear on where exactly our money is going, our money will tell us where to go. Here's the deal. The big six things, the big six of a budget are these uh, six things right here. The big six things inside of a budget is housing, a roof over the head so that we can find ourselves secure from the elements elements, uh, uh, at play in our world, the nature that is out there. I, I laugh at the stories of people that go camping and all of a sudden they have a bear crawling up on them and they're scared. We have shelter, a roof over our head, walls around us for what? Keeping us away from the elements of nature, whether it be wildlife or the the weather, whatever it may be. So a roof over our head, big six, number one. The second thing is utilities. You got to be able to operate with some electricity and some water inside of that place. Um... You have transportation. How do you get from one place to the next? You have food, um, uh, comida, some, some food that you're eating on a daily basis in order to sustain your body for the work that is laid out for you. A fifth one would be your health care, um, paying your healthcare provider, or maybe that's just on a monthly basis over a year average that you're going to pay in healthcare care cost, whether that's an Advil or a copay, whatever it may be. You got your uh, personal part of that on um, whether you're buying clothes for yourself, please buy clothes and, and wear some clothes. That's, that's been pretty fundamental since Genesis. Um, but you also care and you got your teeth, you got to try to keep white and all those things. So these, your personal care. So if you go through that, what is housing going to cost you? I'm just in general, I'm going to be very conservative with this. Housing for a, a house of four, I'm going to say is roughly going to be $1,000. $1,000 per month, you're going to spend providing shelter for your family. The second one would say utilities. Conservatively, I'd say $200. For transportation, conservatively, I'd say 300 With these gas prices, maybe 1200 whatever it is. Uh, you got food, on. I would say, average roughly around 1200 400 a week. Uh, $1,200 a month. Healthcare cost over the year per month, I would say is roughly going to be in the realm of $600 for a family of four. Number six, I'd say personally, you're going to spend roughly around $200 to get your hair did, your nails done, your eyebrows done, whatever else you're going to get done, get your hair cut, your teeth white, all of that stuff. Buy some clothes, roughly $200 a month. What does that come out to? It comes out to $3,500 a month that you are responsible for conservatively in order to exist, $3,500. Now, let's put in what we all do. We got entertainment, and we have leisure inside of our lives. We got vacation, leisure, things in which we do, and we got entertainment. Entertainment on a monthly basis, when we go to movies, we'll take kids out for this. We have things that we do in entertainment on a monthly basis. We'll just say that's $200 a month conservatively. Okay, we can spend that real quick in a month base, a month long for a family of four. Then you get leisure on top of that. We'll just say $150 a month on the vacations that you do, maybe twice a year, spread over a year. We'll just say $150 a month is what is on that budget. That takes us now, you got the big six at $3,500. You put yourself in a place where you got $200 a month on the entertainment, $150 a month on the leisure. Now you're at $3,850. Then let's step into a place in which God... You know, it's asked us to be individuals that save money. Now, what's recommended is that you save roughly 10% of your income on a monthly basis. That you are storing it up for a rainy day fund, a, a moment in time where where you hit devastation, uh, and you got to use those funds. You got savings in place. So, 10% of that of your income at $4,400 is $440 or $4,400 a month at 40, $440. And then on the other side of that is tithing, our obedience and the responsibility God has called us through Malachi 3.10 to be generous tithers, our generous givers and tithers with what he's placed inside of our hand on bringing 10% into the into the storehouse, the church. So you get another $440. So that's $880 on top of $3,850. That brings us to a grand total of $4,900. But our income, conservatively, is only $4,400 a month based on the San Antonio medium income average. What happens with that deficit of $500? Whenever we are at a deficit of $500 with our budget, what happens is we begin to rob from God, take from God. That negative balance, we begin to take away from things that we value. We will stop tithing for the sake of being able to live according to our desire what we want to do, how we want to do it, whatever, those decisions that we're making. Just simply in a budget, if we aren't telling our money where it needs to go, what will happen to us is our money will tell us where to go. And this is what money sounds like when it begins to tell us where to go. It'll tell us like, go, go take a hike. It'll say that for sure. But what does it sound like? It says, hey, what you need to go do now, because you haven't been telling me where to go, I'm going to tell you where to go. You're living outside of your means. Now you gotta start worrying. Now you gotta start stressing. And now you gotta start lying, cheating and stealing to get more of it in order to compensate for what what you aren't telling me to do, living outside of your means. That's what money will do to us whenever we live beyond our means without telling our money where to go. So for us, what do we have to do? Count the cost. What is the cost of our lives today? Maybe today some decisions need to be made on like, man, I don't want to have money problems. I don't want to have like, I don't want to have these issues. I don't want to have these problems. I don't want to have the spirit of money on me where I like, I, I'm like I, the love of money. Oh, I got to get more oh, and I'm worrying about it all the time. I want to have the spirit of peace that I walk with, with an understanding that money has value and I want to manage and, and steward this well that I can tell my money where to go so that I can walk in peace because if not I'm going to walk in stress, I'm going to walk in worry, and I'm going to I'm going to be doing things in order to get it that are out of alignment with what God would call righteousness. It is our responsibility to manage our money. Put those boundaries on it. What are we saying no to so that we can live a life of saying yes to things that we is in alignment with our value. We've said around here for a long time, we give up things we love for things that we love more. And here's the deal. Sometimes our desires, we love things, that we got to walk away from the desires of our life that we can live in the the righteousness of God to say yes to the things that he values and we say we value. What would I say? We need to put our money where our heart is. We got to put our money where our heart is. Put your money where your mouth is. Put your money where your heart is. Where is your heart? And putting boundaries in your life, you'll say no to the things you wanna say no to and yes to the things that your heart wants to say yes to. A great thing, a great resource for you if you're having issues with money, if you got some money problems, a great resource is Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey has budgets, $80 a year, I believe is what it is. You can go through a course and it'll teach you all about how to budget your money. There's a couple that I talked to um that were friends of ours and they were a hundred and sixty thousand dollars in debt they got into dave ramsey started doing the courses they started saying no to the things that they they needed to say no to yes to the things they needed to say yes to and within six years they were debt free in every area of their life completely all hundred and sixty thousand dollars that they were in debt were paid for but it took six years six hard years of saying no and saying yes to the things in which they value. If you're walking in money problems today, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, if you're struggling to live within your means, you desperately need some help, and you gotta jump into Dave Ramsey, he'll help you become financially free so that you don't live in worry and stress when it comes to money, but you can walk in peace and be a blessing to the world. Last thing I'll leave you with is this, steward what God has placed in your hand. Steward what God has blessed, uh, placed in your hand. God has placed resources in everybody's hand. If you're an individual that works hard, you've walked out into the world, you do gifts and talents in order to bless the world with your gifts and talents, and there's compensation that comes with that most of the time. With what God has placed in your hand, we believe every good gift comes from our heavenly father and he has enriched us with resources through the value that we've added to the world and they've provided value back to us. So we got to be good stewards with what he's placed in his hands. Let me give you four things in which God calls us to be good stewards with. Number one is this, provide for our families. 1 Timothy 5.8 and Proverbs 11.29 would indicate to us that we must be individuals. It's fundamental that if we have resources in our hands, we should manage those resources and care for those in which we have committed into our household, whether it's through marriage commitment and through that commitment of providing children. When now we have children in the mix We are responsible as parents to provide for our children. God has commanded us. When it comes to the monetary value in our lives, we must provide for our families. The second thing is we must pay our taxes. Come on, somebody. I wish we had a flat 10% tax. That's just my desire, right? 10% to God, 10% to the government. For whatever reason, we're living in a world here today where you could be taxed anywhere from 10% all the way up to 50%. It's wild out there. But Jesus says, Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, give unto God what is God. What is he saying? Pay your taxes. When it comes to the resources we placed in, we pay our taxes. If we're responsible for it, pay our taxes. So that's a second command that God has given. A third command that God has given us is pay our debts. We should never be uh, in debt to a debtor we shouldn't be there's times where we're in debt to a debtor but we pay that debt we never just absolve ourselves from the debt we never just walk away from the debt if we've committed to something let our yeses be our yeses our nos be our nose and be individuals that are honorable to pay our debts the last thing god commands us to do is give give to him and give it for him give to him and give it for him. God has called us with the resources that has been placed into our hands to give to him, and give what uh, give for him the resources he given. He says this in Proverbs. Uh, the word would tell us in Proverbs three, verse number nine. It says, "Honor the Lord with your wealth, and with the best part of everything you produce." then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. What is he saying here in Proverbs? When you honor me with the first part of your wealth, I will bless you um, with mine. I will bless you with my goodness. Whatever it may be, he'll enrich into our lives. He'll fill our cups up. He'll fill our barns up. That is the God in which we serve. So if we honor him with our first fruits, God will bless us with uh, with his riches. Luke 16 verse number nine, going back to what we originally read about the God of Mammon. Let's let's read it real quick and we'll dive in just for a second. Verse number nine says this, and I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous Mammon that you that when you fail parentheses I put die, when you die, they may receive you into an everlasting home, heaven. Amen. What is this scripture saying? Take the monetary value in which God has placed into your hands and be an individual that gives to enrich the kingdom that lives may be transformed, that lives may come to know Jesus. Use your riches in order to bring people to come to know Jesus Christ. Use your value to bring people to come to know Jesus Christ. What is he saying? Be an individual that gives to the church, Malachi 3.10, bring your 10% into the storehouse, wherever you're being fed, where that is, whatever your church is, bring your 10% of your income into the house and bless it. A place in which is sharing the gospel about Jesus Christ, inviting new people in to come to know Jesus. Like use that wealth that you have to bless the church. That is a place in which is enriching people to come to know Jesus Christ. So that when you die, What is it? All those people, whenever you honored God with your resources and you gave into the church and you blessed the church and that church had however many thousands of people come to know Jesus Christ, those individuals in which you gave and were impacted by your gifts, your stewardship, they will be there to greet you whenever your life expires, when you die. This is specifically saying when you take the value God has placed in and you give it to build God's kingdom, right? Seek first the kingdom, live righteously, God adds adds unto you. Not on the spirit of mammon, but walking by the spirit of God. What do we do? We're enriching the kingdom. Lives are transformed. The beauty is, this is speaking that when we show up to heaven, there's going to be a whole lot of people, whatever it is. We've given towards missions in here. If we've given towards, if you've like done something radically for somebody in your community, if you've been generous with your gifts and you bless them and, and for whatever reason, they saw the goodness of Jesus on the inside of you and they came to faith because a gift in which you sown into their lives or whatever you did through the church that you uh you sown into. What is it saying? That there's individuals when you get to heaven, they're gonna say, thank you for be a person that stewarded what God placed in your hand well. And you gave to this ministry. You did this for me on this day. And all of that led me to a place where I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And because of you, I am standing here today in heaven because of your stewardship. That's precisely what this is saying inside of here. And man, I'll tell you today, there's power inside of that story. It makes me think of an individual in student ministry um, that... Every week, you know, we, we were we were doing a, a truant program inside of our church, and we would we would work with truant kids and individuals that basically weren't showing up to class, and and they were out for a certain period of time where well, they had to go to court, and a part of that court ruling is they had to do community service, and they would come to our community service. It was an adopt-a-block program I, I led at Pro or at Live the Life Church. Um, and uh, we, would, we would pick up these truant kids on a weekend and we would walk them through a training class on, on, uh, on drugs and, and the, the impact of drugs and all of these variables and just really trying to share with them like some life skills and we would do that and then we would go serve inside of the community uh, and, and enrich people's homes and their lives and we'd pick up trash and all this stuff in a community across the street from the church. And this individual, I remember coming into the truant program, where well, he eventually was like, man, I'd love to come on a Wednesday night. I'd love to come to the, the youth group, but he didn't have a ride. And so he, he asked me to come pick him up. And uh, I remember it was, it was a little bit of a rough side of town, and it was um, uh, a little bit uh, challenging in that area. Uh, he had a history of gang activity. And I remember rolling into that community and, and, and all the challenges it may have, but picking up every single Wednesday night to bring him to church. And we would bring him to church every single week. Well, after a couple months, he said, "You know what? I I I don't understand it all, but I, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, and and, uh, and I, I would want to get baptized." And I, I remember having the the privilege of being uh, witnessing this guy go from like really hard, really rough, like you know, in a gang, like they're they're rough and hard, and usually have some challenging dynamics inside of the home where they're just just their exterior is really tough. But after Week in and week out of loving and empowering and strengthening and just having good conversations to and from church. It was just absolutely awesome. He made a decision to say, you know, I'm going to follow Christ. And I got, to, I got to lead him to the Lord and also got to baptize him. You know, was it a sacrifice? Yeah, it's a sacrifice. Wednesday night, go pick somebody up the gas money to go get there on a side of town that I wouldn't normally drive to out of my way on the west side of San Antonio. We're going over to the southeast side of San Antonio, but doing it weekend and week out using resources God placed in my hand in order to empower somebody that did not know him. And eventually he would come to know Jesus Christ. Come on, there's power when we steward our resources well, when we bless people, when we're generous we keep on bringing our tithes into the storehouse and we're blessing a church that's saying, hey, we want to reach unchurched people to come to know Jesus Christ. There's power in our gifts that lives that are transformed inside of this place. One day when we show up to heaven, how many thousands of lives are going to be standing there saying, thank you for being a person that walked as a tither and we are generous with the things that God placed into your hands. Come on, we are a church that loves seeing people far from God come to know him and everything we give will welcome us one day in Jesus' name when we show up to heaven. Amen, 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 amen. Now, the last thing I'll leave you with is this. There was a woman in Matthew chapter 26 this individual that would, she'd see Jesus coming to the end of his life, and um, not operating by the spirit of mammon, but looking through the eyes of love. She she would make a purchase, and in this purchase, it would be be criticized. It would be a purchase that individuals would look at and and and, and be judgmental over. And what she would do is she would buy this this jar of perfume for the purpose of showing up to an individual that made such a massive impact inside of her life. She would show up at a party which Jesus was welcomed into the party, and as he's dining at this party and relaxing, she would show up and pour this, this jar of expensive perfume over his head, and she would anoint his body ultimately for the inevitable, which would come, would be for his death and resurrection. Jesus speaking to his disciples at this moment in time, the Bible would tell us that his disciples were indignant over this. Why would she do such a thing? We could use this money, which was a year's worth of wages, in order to bless the world and bless people and help the poor. And what did Jesus look back? And he's like, hey, man, the poor is always going to be among you. It's a reality in which we live in of a broken world. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't use our resources and our wealth in order to bless the loss and the hurting. That's what we're called to do, help those that are in need for sure. But at this moment in time, this woman was doing something that God had called her to do. Some people may look at like, man, why in the world would you do that? But this woman operated from a place on, I love God. And I don't have the spirit of mammon on me. I don't have the love of money on me. I will use my resources in order to do what God has called me to do. I value this, so therefore I'm gonna take my value and do what God has called me to do. She didn't have the spirit of mammon. Let me speak to you today. My prayer for you and why we're having this conversation today because in a world in which we live in, we got inflation going crazy. We got gas prices going crazy. We got you know, whatever going on inside of our world that is complicating the economy in which we are are under, um, we're a part of, and and with that, we can find ourselves where we can begin to worry and stress about money based on an economic place that our country is in. But no matter what, no matter where our country is or it isn't, God hasn't called us to get caught up in the spirit of, uh, of mammon, dependent upon where the country's at, the economy is at. God has called us to be loose from the spirit of Mammon so that we can walk in peace. What is it? God wants to supply all of our needs according to His riches. As, as Paul talked to talked about in Timothy. He like if God has provided for me, his desire was that God would do that for us also. And can we stand here today to say, you know what? We believe that God will supply all of our needs according to His riches and glory. Right, because of our being a part of Jesus, we're sons and daughters of the King. We're a part of because of Jesus Christ, now we're sons and daughters, and we have a good heavenly Father that will bless us with good gifts. He will supply all of our needs. Are you today living in the worry, the stress, and the desire of man? I got to lie, cheat, and steal to get more to provide for myself. Are you walking in the spirit of peace because you know God is your provider? The whole conversation today is we may have money problems and our money problems may be leading us towards a place that God doesn't want us to be in or want us to live in but if we can manage these money problems get the spirit of mammon off of money inside of our lives we can allow ourselves to have the value of money positioned in the right place for the value of it we're putting it in the place that we want it to go doing with it what we desire to do blessing God and building the kingdom we can live in this place of peace inside of our lives and if that's not peace that you have it's a peace that I want us to have today. And I want to pray today. If you're here today, we're going to gonna close out in a song here today. But what I want you to do is that as we begin to sing this, and everybody, can you stand up to your feet here today? As we begin to sing this song, if you've had these mammon indicators, as I begin to read these off, you're saying, yeah, 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 that's me. I'm worrying. But I'm not happy when I have to give. I'm looking at losing, but not, not what I'm blessing find myself in a place where I've just been irritated this whole time. I don't even know why we're talking about this. I knew the church was always about my mind. There's this irritation on the inside of you. Let me just tell you, you can get that spirit off of you. You can get it off of you. But you first got to start by turning your eyes off of what you have and turning your, your eyes on the one that has it all, that's created it all. The Bible would tell us he owns a cattle on a thousand hill, basically saying he is, he's got plenty. His resources are deep right? The boy's got stacks. If we can just live our lives focused on him, he'll bless us with what we need. I'm not saying that he'll bless us and we'll be rich, but according to the world standard, anybody that makes more than $2 a day, you're rich. God wants wants us to live from a place of peace, walking with him, knowing that he is our provider. Let me pray over you today as we begin to sing this out. God, we just come to you today. Father, maybe money has been a problem for us, but Lord, today I pray money is not a problem anymore. Father, I pray the spirit of mammon has to come off of our lives in Jesus' name. Loose people from the spirit of mammon. Take that power out of it in Jesus' name, Lord. Father, I pray that you'd place that spirit of generosity in them. Father, money moves from this place of power that moves into a place of value. Father, as we shift our perspective here today, we can walk in the peace that you desire us to walk in, God. We can walk in the freedom that you desire us to walk in. God, let's be people that tells tells our money where to go because we're good stewards on knowing what exactly we have. God, I pray that you would loose us from worry and fear and stress in Jesus' name and enrich us here today. Enrich us here today with your peace when it comes to our money. In Jesus' name I pray. Come on, let's sing this out together.